we are celebrating Holy Communion today, so the sermon is a little sooner as we prepare for the, the climactic coming to Christ's table together. So it's, it is also the third Sunday of Advent, and we're in this series that I'm calling Yearning for God. I think what it means to be human is to have this ache, this yearning for something deeper, this gnawing, as Ross said. Uh, that's, that's, uh, if you feel that, that's a good thing. You're actually being deep is calling unto deep. You're being called deeper, and you should go. And so we're going to be looking at that same theme, but the, the title of the sermon today is Yearning for Home. Particularly, we have this homesickness, yearning for home. So let's look at this together. It all began in the garden. In Genesis, we see our initial exile taking place there. So Genesis 3, verses 7 through 15 is our scripture passage today. And let's see, that is uh, on the insert. Genesis 3, verses 7 through 15, please Listen as I, as I read. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the, called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Christ, thank you for this group of people, we are, if we understand ourselves at all, we know we are all in the same boat. We are a mixture of beauty and brokenness all at the same time. It's not either or, it's actually both. And Christ, we, we anticipate and long during Advent for this coming to heal us, to, to heal the whole world. And you have come, and you are coming. And so I pray now, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from, no matter why we're here, even Holy Spirit, please enable us to experience the flow of your love and of the Holy Spirit that we might be healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Yearning for home. So what's being described in Genesis 3 is exile. I think that's a great word that's being described there. And you don't have to, whether you believe in the historicity of this story uh, or not, 
what is real about this story is, well, something that you and I experience every day. And so we know it's real. And that is this sense of lostness, of exile. And this is where it began in Genesis 3. It's what we see as they will have to actually leave the garden in the next passage. They will leave their home, right? They will, they will be lost. So I do think this describes this, this experience of exile, of, of loneliness, of, of what the Bible calls being orphaned describes all of us if again if you really know your experience and I encourage you not to just dismiss that and look the other way and try to this is what we do we try to cover up that feeling with stuff and with uh with you know um escape of this sort or another we're meant to actually sit in that space because what we're experiencing is a call it's actually a homing device as someone once put it is calling us into, well, actually back where we came from in a way. But this is, uh, let, me t- let me describe the experience, though, of, of exile using this illustration by James Finley. So uh, imagine you're looking at a mirror, and you, know, and you see your reflection. Now, now imagine if, if your reflection decided, you know what, I'm, I'm going to leave this person. <laughs> I'm going I'm to exit now. And leave the source of my being, going to leave that, my grounding, and go live a life on my own. This is precisely what happened in the garden, and it's our experience now that we are born into, all of us as human beings. It's as if our reflection, which is not, you get, you understand, it's that reflection in the mirror is not um, a thing all to its own. It's tied to a source. Well, the one that's looking at the mirror, right? And in the same way that it's kind of absurd to think of that reflection leaving that source, well, and this is what we do as human beings. This is where that sense of loneliness, that's what we have done, that's what we do, that sense of abandonment. Every time, every day, we feel this. This is what's happening. It's as if we are living as if we no longer have a source. We've left our home. It's just like that reflection in a mirror that decides to just up and leave his or her true self her true home. But again, what I'm saying is the good news is that reflection feels it and feels a sense of homesickness for its person, for its true self, its grounding, its source of being. That homing device, it is planted, as I said last Sunday, by the manufacturer. We are meant to listen so that we might be called back home. Here's how, here's how someone put it. It will not be ignored. That is that homesickness. It calls us both backward and forward to our foundation and our future at the same time. It also feels like grace from within us and at the same time beyond us. Now listen to this. Wouldn't it make sense that God would plant in us a desire for what God already wants to give us, home. What's Christmas about? It's about Christ coming to bring us home. 
It's about Christ bringing our home back to us, as a matter of fact. So here's the, this is the main teaching. This is how I want to put it today. Remember that reflection that left its source, left the mirror. Here's the main teaching today. Christ takes on flesh in order to bring our reflection home. There's the gospel. Christ takes on flesh in order to bring our reflection home. So here's the hard part. Now, this is a paradox. Okay, this is mysterious. It's so true, though. In order to find home, we actually have to leave home. In order to find home, our true home, you actually have to leave home in the sense of your comfort, your security. You, well, just like Adam and Eve, you got to leave the garden. This is the grand paradox and mystery of life. Now, also like Adam and Eve, as it turns out, well, we have to be kicked out or we're not going to leave that, are we? We have to be kicked out of home, our, our comfort, our security, just like Adam and Eve, in order for us to discover something deeper, something better. That, friends, that is life. That is the journey of life in a nutshell. So we are on this odyssey and of, of longing to come back home, really. But what I'm saying is you're meant to first leave your comfort, your, what you think is home, in order to find your true home. This odyssey for me began when I was 19 years old. That is, this spiritual journey, as I look back, really began then when I was 19. I had just met Jesus, but... Um, well, some other things ha- had to happen, and they happened simultaneous to that, and I don't think it was a coincidence. Well, first of all, as a 19-year-old, I was in my uh, second freshman year at the University of Memphis, so I-, I took a gap year before it was cool to take a gap year. Only problem is I was still enrolled when I did it. Still, my parents were paying tuition still, and uh, I just, but I-, I just decided I wasn't going to go to class. I, I failed half of my courses, um, and also at that same time, and my wife and my kids know this story, but well before I met Jennifer, at that same time, I reconnected with my only dating relationship in high school. Only problem there was she was now married, and so I started dating her while she was married to another man. Don't recommend that, friends. Don't recommend any of that. This is, this is certainly a failure on my part that kicked me out of my comfort. I was spellbound by this person, though. I had met Jesus, and I knew the only way I could break this spell was to physically leave. I had to leave. And, that, and Memphis was my home. Uh, I started out... Uh, going to college there in my hometown, living at home, and I needed to leave. I was forced out. <laughs> and so uh, in, in that case, what happened was I had a friend who was going to uh, a college in Jackson, Mississippi, and needed some roommates and asked if I'd be interested in, in moving down there. And I said, you know what, I think I need to do that. I, I, I'm, I'm spell- I, I, can't, I knew I could not manage my situation 
I had to physically relocate, so I did. And that was a strange season in Jackson, Mississippi. I would end up living there much later, as it turns out. But I was kicked out, had to go. And this was when I began this odyssey, this, this journey away from home. It was necessary. Fast forward to uh, I was a 23-year-old junior, bordering on the kind of the non-traditional student category, you know, in college. And um, this time at the University of Tennessee, I transferred to the University of Tennessee. And I took a class in the uh, English department called uh, the Postmodern uh, Pseudo-Autobiography. And we read uh, books. The whole purpose of the class was about leaving home and reading literature about leaving home and sort of so you can find your true self kind of stuff. So like we read On the Road by Jack, Jack Kerouac and, and other books like that. And Dr. Oswald, who I, I uh, actually blame for first, she has no idea she was doing this. But, but uh, in terms of becoming a preacher, eventually she's the first one that kind of... S- Un, unintentionally, because she was hostile to religion, sent me in this direction. That's another story. But she had us do these writing exercises, too. And she wanted us to actually write our own pseudo-autobiography. Now, by pseudo, think of sort of autobiographical. It was, it's a fun exercise. We, we're, and this is, a, this is a, a, a genre in literature where you can embellish, your, take your own story, some truth, and, yeah, have fun with it. Create your own story out of it. And so the first exercise, I wrote a short story called Jackson. And it was all about me having to leave home. I I think intuitively God and the Holy Spirit was already back then showing me what I am now preaching. Because this is what, this is how my story went. Most of the stories we were reading were like, you know, about Thelma and Louise going off into the sunset and finding your true self out there. Well, my story was rebellious in in this way. I, in my story, I actually returned home, but I was changed. I was different. I went away, but then ended up wanting to come back. But it wasn't, what had changed was me. And I think this is actually the journey that we're all supposed to be on. It's a return back to the garden where we're actually ultimately supposed to go. But we have to first be exiled, actually. We have to go away to discover that our true home is actually here, within. And when you discover that, guess what? You can live anywhere. You can even go back home, knowing that it's going to be hard. And there are things there and people there that maybe are not that healthy for you. But once you have experienced transformation, particularly putting the ego back here you know, in the back seat, like I always say, you're able to now go home. Actually, you're able to live anywhere because your true home ultimately is Christ who dwells where? Within. Where is the temple of God now? Because of the incarnation, it's right here. And so this is what I I learned in in my own little odyssey journey. We do have to leave home, though. But it's so that we can return to where we came from. But this time, uh, it's maybe not our home that's changed. It's we that have changed. The journey shows us that our true home is within. And, folks, I think that's actually what it's all about 
This is what Jesus, I think, is meaning when he teaches in several places, rather harshly at times. You're supposed to, to leave your nuclear family, leave your comfort zone, and follow me in order to find you, actually. Here, here's one, just one example, Matthew 19, 29, when he says this, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother, and in some manuscripts it says, or spouse or children or farms on account of my name, listen, will receive many times, some manuscripts, a hundred times as much now. He means now. There's a great reward when you Leave your comfort zone. And like I said, most of the time we have to be kicked out or we would never leave, right? (laughs) This is what you discover is a life, well, actually your true self and your true life that was waiting for you there. And so Jesus says, you will receive many times, a hundred times as much as what you once had. And you will inherit life eternal. And as you hear me say all the time, don't think afterlife, think now. Now, a life that is forever, that will extend forever. This is precisely what Jesus means when he's calling us to leave so that we might discover our true home ultimately in him. But, but friends, um, it, it's true. You, you, do, you do have to leave your comfort zone to find it. You do. Uh, and listen, it's okay if a failure is what caused you to leave. In fact, I think it's necessary. I think it's only our failures that do this. So, so don't, don't be afraid and don't, don't hide that part of your story. <laughs> uh, it's, it's all a part of the same journey, ultimately, of finding your home in Christ. So, you know, that scared little reflection that left the mirror, and as James Finley said, you know, had, had to get a therapist and, and then go on psych meds and then became an addict and, you know, all that stuff, finally, in Christ, is now able to come home and come back to our source, our origin, our being, our true self, because Christ has made it safe. Do you know how Christ made it safe for us to come back home? Well, by moving in first. And again, this is what the incarnation is all about. Christ moves in so close within, takes on our flesh so that now it is safe, friends, to be you. Yeah, that's right. Kim was exactly right. It's safe to come home. Brian Zahn puts it this way. He says, God in Christ joins us as fully human that he might heal all that it means to be human. This is why it is wonderful to celebrate Christmas. This is what is happening. And then Easter comes, and it's, it's even better news. This past week, uh, Patty Lynch reminded me of a drawing that I want to end by telling you about this drawing uh, called um, Mary and Eve. And by the way, Eve just, the, the word literally just means life. And Adam is Adam. It just means humankind. That's what those two uh, archetypes mean for us. But, it, but I don't know if y'all have seen this, this. It's a beautiful 
drawing uh, created, I think, with crayon and, and pencil, that, that this sister named Grace Remington created in 2005. Uh, she's a Cistercian nun uh, at Our Lady of the Mississippi Abbey in Iowa. <clears throat> so she, she created this drawing. It's so, it's so beautiful. I encourage you to Google it, look it up. Mary, and you can look it up right now if you want. Mary and Eve. And it, it pictures who this, these two women under this arch of fruit in, in this garden. One of them is supposed to be Eve, life, and she has wrapped around her leg a, a snake. It's wrapped around her leg, and, and her head is face down, and she's full of shame. And then there's this picture of another woman that's across from her who has her foot on the head of the serpent. And that's what's prophesied in Genesis 3.15. That's the gospel, uh, as theologians call it, the euangelion, the first heralding of the good news that will, that will take place. And this is, of course, Mary. These are two mothers of the living, you see, the first mother and the second and final mother of the living. And Mary has her foot on the head, crushing the head of the serpent. They're both in this garden. And it's beautiful where as Mary is comforting Eve and, and Eve has one hand on the forbidden fruit and another hand on this other fruit, the fruit of life in the womb of, of Mary. And so she's got her hand pressing on Mary's tummy and, and Mary's consoling her and comforting her with this look of hope in her eyes as if to say, Eve, lift your head. It's all okay. Good news. There's, there's another fruit that has come that you're meant to eat to give you now life. And that, that fruit grows in her womb. And um, I, was this, on, Patty, on the back of your, the card? Was that, that inscription? Yeah, there's an inscription that another sister of Our Lady of the Mississippi Abbey wrote this describing this scene. This is what it says. My mother, my daughter, life-giving Eve, do not be ashamed, do not grieve. The former things have passed away. Our God has brought us to a new day. See, I am with child through whom all will be reconciled. O Eve, my sister, my friend, we will rejoice together forever, life without end. Friends, with Mary's seed, we can now, all of us, we can come home. It's good news. Let's pray. Christ, would you, through your power, Holy Spirit, now, through the meal of communion, enable us to embody this, to ingest it, to feel it, to consume Christ, that we might be changed. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.